0: Welcome back. This is John Mills. This is Josh Mills. And this is another episode of Acquired Tastings. Today we're doing beers. We're going to be doing the Diamond Bear Pale Ale, which is a local brewery from here in Arkansas. And then another local brewery from the Little Rock area. Um, I'm going to be doing the Flying Duck Amber Lager from Flyway Brewing.
1: So uh, we have some snacks as well. So what we have snack-wise is some Edom cheese, some peppered jack cheese, some smoked cheddar. We have two kinds of brats, and I cook those in the beer that I chose, the Diamond Bear Pale Ale. We have cheese brats, and we have the regular brats. We also have the caramelized onions that went with the cooking of the brats. We have cashews, and we have honey-roasted peanuts. So, uh,
0: first, before we get into the beers, let's talk about the blind from last time. So, at the end of our wine episode, I blinded a red wine and I called it a 2017 Rhone blend. So, Dad,
1: what was it? Uh oh. So, you want the good news first, Josh? I'll take whatever news. I think you also said that it was uh, probably maybe from Spain even though you said Rhone blend and you had that right, at least for the grape. It's a Tempanero grape, which is the uh, most planted grape in Spain. You also said it was old world. Uh Uh-oh, it's new world, Josh. It was Oregon Reserve Raptor Ridge 2015. So funny. Well, that was it was a really good wine.
0: It's funny because when I was going thinking back over this blind, when I was going through my initial, I almost said Tempranillo is one of my grapes. So
1: should have should have gone with my gut. And that's right. So the price point on this wine is a, is a little upscale. Uh, the, the sticker that was on the wine was like $36. Of course, you can get that at Wine Wednesday or your local liquor store's uh, wine special day. So you'd get it for probably uh, 28 or 30 maybe. So that's a little expensive, but it's a really, really good wine. And what I got out of it is a little bit of smoke, a little bit of leather texture to it. It had really great texture, I thought. And, you know, I'm always getting those dark, dark chocolates uh, sometimes with that earthy uh, wine taste. So I enjoyed it as well. And that's what I got from it. Raptor Ridge is a great
0: is a great vintner out of Oregon. They do a lot of stuff all up and down the Oregon, all the state of Oregon. So, all right, well, let's uh, let's get into this beer.
1: So we're going to start with the ales. So, Dad, I'm going to turn it over to you. All right, like I said, it's the Diamond Bear Brewing Company Pale Ale. That particular uh, beer, uh, they had the 2007 GABF Great American uh, Beer Festival gold medal winner in 2007, so it's it's a really good beer. It it pours crystal clear, but as a golden copper color, it has a slightly uh, off white head with with uh, lots of bubbles. So I I like that. It's not real high on the hoppiness.
0: Um, It it smells a lot like caramel.
1: Yes, there are some caramel. That is correct, Josh. You did well on that. There is some very uh, buttery caramel to it. Uh, Toasted malt. So Josh is over there drinking, so I I better catch up. It's really good. It's... It's middle
0: of the road. I mean, it's not too heavy. It's not too light. It's got great, great flavor. The nose on it, it smells fantastic. It doesn't smell like hops, but you can tell there's some in there. So, so dad, let's, let's take a step back for some of our listeners. So what, what goes into a beer when you're making it? Since you've made beer before, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the main ingredients
1: and then. What makes this an ale versus a lager? Okay. Well... You know, one of your main ingredients, of course, is water. And one of the things that's very special is around the United States and elsewhere in old world, the water can be the m- most special part of the beer from, from the taste. And, you know, in, in Arkansas, we have some really great water, so we're not going to get any off taste from our water. But some places you get uh, a saltiness. Uh, you can get other off things out of the water, but water's your number one ingredient. Isn't there a big, big name brand that, I don't know if they still market it this way, but they
0: used to market that their water was the best thing about their beer? Uh, i thinking about, I think it was Coors, was it Coors Light? Coors,
1: yeah, Coors said that. Mountain Valley water, or not Mountain Valley water, Rocky Mountain water. Yeah. Uh, Mountain Valley water's here in in Arkansas. So then, uh, of course, you have your your malt and there's all kinds of malts from the very light malts all the way up to uh, chocolate and very dark black malts. And that's what you end up with a stout, those really dark ones. So is is malt a particular type of grain itself or can it be any grain? What is what do you mean by malt? Typically, it's a barley. Now, of course, there's wheat, wheat beers. So that's that's another main ingredient. So the other ingredient, of course, is yeast. Now, there was a German law back years and years ago, 1600s probably, where they didn't understand that yeast was anything. So, in those beers, the yeast came from the natural air. So, uh, we visited Belgium, and that brewery had holes in the roof to let that natural yeast into the water. Yeah, that's one of the cool things about yeast is... I mean, this is a great thing. It happens.
0: Some wineries use it as well. They can call it a spontaneous fermentation where they they'll crush the grapes or in in this instance, they'll cook the mash for beer and then they'll let it sit in open vats. And then with the yeast in the air and then yeast that is on some of the other material that is being used, it. Will start to make either
1: wine or beer. It's a really, really cool process. It's really interesting to realize you know they're not pitching any yeast into it. So now, not everybody, not
0: everybody does that. There are a lot of breweries, um, more more breweries and more wineries than not will inoculate their mash or their their grape must with yeast so a particular strain of yeast that they want to use to get particular flavors so so we've talked about water we've talked about malt which can be barley it can be wheat um, I think there are some people that will also add rice that's right sure. Budweiser <laughs> there are some big ones out there who will use rice um, and then what else is in there dad
1: and yeast and what else well I was going to talk about ales and oh, okay. so? Okay. Still- yeah go ahead So an ale, which I have, and Joss has a lager, the ale, uh, the fermentation temperatures are 68, 72, somewhere in that range. Lagers are 45 to 55 degrees. So you can see the difference right there in temperature. So the ales are warm fermented, and the lagers are Cold fermented, and if you saw my hands move, well, I guess you can't. He would
0: he he lifted them up yeah. when he was talking about warm, and then pushed them down when he talked about. This is his
1: engineering yeah. aspect coming. Well, in. that's right. But the ales are top fermented because that's that's how it all bubbles up, and the, the loggers are cold form fermented, and that's the bottom.
0: Yes. And if you think back, as the, here's my teacher hat coming on. If you think back to experiments or any learning about heat and temperature that you've talked about as a kid we know that heat heat rises and cold settles so it's the same kind it's the same type of process with the fermentation so the yeast still be living either near the top and will ferment or they're near the bottom and that'll kind of rotate through whether it's being swished around by the brewer or just by natural circulation
1: so, Josh asks, what's the other ingredient? Well, what happens is that when the yeast starts eating those sugars from the barley or the wheat, whichever it might be, they they eat all that, love the sugar, and they poop out carbon dioxide, CO2. So, that's an, a Another very important ingredient in your beer, if you didn't have that, your beer would be flat. You'd pour it out and it was like pouring water. There'd be no foam to it. You'd taste it. It's just flat. It doesn't have any fizz at all to it. So that CO2 is extremely important. And as a home brewer, what you end up doing is you put, if you're going to bottle right after you bottle them up and before you cap them, you might put a little more yeast in each bottle or you do it in the batch before you bottle. And so what that does is that makes that little bit of CO2 at the very end inside the bottle or inside the keg if you're kegging. Now, the trick to it is You need to make sure that your specific gravity has gotten to a settled point. If not, you bottle it. And I think I said in our introduction, if you don't do it right, those caps are down there breaking the bottles down in the basement or wherever you keep them because there's too much CO2. Yeah. So what he's
0: talking about with the specific gravity is that's the alcohol level. So if your alcohol level isn't high enough, what happens is the yeast will continue to work and they'll continue to work too much and the bottle can only hold so much and then it'll there'll be a release of an explosive release of pressure. Right. <laughs> and so that's what he's talking about A specific gravity. He means kind of the, al- the alcohol level of the current mash. So let's try this beer again, dad, as it kind of has warmed up a little bit. Yeah.
1: We're probably going to get a little more floral to it. Oh yeah.
0: I'm smelling. Yeah. Yeah. it's a little bit more like, yeah. And it's nice. It's almost like, um, I don't know, kind of like a jasmine flower or maybe like honeysuckle could be. And maybe that's some of the malt playing in there, but it is, it is a little bit more floral as it opens up. Uh,
1: so one of the hop they're using in this beer is called, uh, Cascade and what the Cascade hops give you a more citrus and maybe it's even an orange or citrusy, maybe lime. Typically it's, I get the orange taste. Now there's other hops that you'll get a real banana taste. It's amazing because all these different hops have different flavors, aromas and bittering. So this aroma of the cascade is a citrus as in orange.
0: Yeah. So hops are another, uh, another main ingredient in beer. So we have got, we've got the water. We've got our malted, malted grain. We have yeast and we have hops. So dad, what what exactly are hops? I know there's a lot of talk about it, you know, we hear it in common beer vernacular, hop head or I want all the hops or, you know, this is a dry hopped beer. So what so let's first talk about what what exactly are hops?
1: Okay, so the hop is a bush and we saw some in Oregon and they grow very tall but they create heads flowery heads okay and that's your hop um you're not cutting off the the leaves or the or the bush itself but th- the bush makes these heads is it kind of like a bud or a flower it's like it's like a bud yes um so there's all kinds of different hops And so, again, you get all kinds of different flavors with those hops. So when you're making beer, where do you usually put in the hops? Well, there's a technique called dry hopping, and that's when you put the hops in the keg at the very end to get that extra, if you will, hop head flavor. But typically, you're cooking the hops in, you know, the bowl. And so a lot of people don't, you know, as a as a home brewer, you're you're using what looks like little rabbit pellets. But in the I'm sure what Diamond Bear uses, they're using the actual bud of the hop and they're putting it into their big vats as they cook and they get strained off at the end.
0: Okay, so so I'm just kind of making sure I get this right. So when we're making beer, we're going to have. Our water, we're gonna have our malted, malted grain, most likely barley, and our hops are gonna go into kind of a big boil. They're gonna cook up. That's gonna to help to release some of the sugars. After the after it cooks, you put it into another container with either with yeast or some places use spontaneous fermentation. And then then the yeast go to work
1: converting those sugars into alcohol. Is that right? that's pretty that's pretty correct I mean you got to cool it you got to cool it down because you know when you've been boiling this this mixture uh, you have you have to cool it down so that it's it's uh, cool enough that the yeast doesn't die in that hot water or that hot wort it's called Mm -hmm. so and and you can put so if you want a lot of aroma from the hops, you put the hops in quite early. If you want a lot of bittering from the hops, and you're likely to use different hops for aroma and bittering, so the bittering you put the hops in toward the very end. You may only have those bittering hops in that last 15 minutes of the boil. Whereas the Roma hops have been in there since like the first uh, maybe 30 minutes to get that wort and get the the barley all separated into the sugars and in the mix. Okay. So it's kind of like cooking.
0: You kind of have a recipe that you go by to make specific oh, it is. cooking. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's kind of a good way. Cause you know, in the winemaking process, it's really kind of a, it's more of a process, you know, you grow grapes, you wait till they're ripe. You crush them. Uh, This is very simple terms. You crush them. You start fermentation, you take the juice, and then you continue to process it and kind of of take your time to um, kind of artisanally put it together. Whereas beer, it's like the art of cooking. You have a recipe that you go by, you tweak one or two variables in your recipe and you have something different. It's kind of like, you know, going from a pancake to a crepe. You know, there's not very many differences, but those little differences can make a big, big difference in the in the final product.
1: Dog, Dogfish Brewery makes beer that they have a Dogfish 60 and a Dogfish 90. And I think they actually have a dogfish 120. So what that means is the dogfish 60, They it's a 60-minute boil. So, you know, they time when they want the hops in and then the 90-minute. So things are getting more robust to a point the more you cook it. Okay. Okay, cool. So, Josh, I just tried some of the cheese broth with a little of this uh, brown mustard and it went really well with this beer. The Emmentaler. The Emmentaler cheese mm. and
0: the paleo go really well. Because Emmentaler is really smooth. Really kind of buttery and creamy. And it kind of rounds out. It kind of cuts out some of the hoppiness in your mouth. And maybe that might be something I need to try with really hoppy beer. is something really soft and coating. And that may try it, may knock it down a little bit. If that would work. Okay, cool. So, so let's go back. This is a... um this is an English-style pale ale. So when it comes to ales, since we talked about kind of how if you change one or two things, it can change your output in the recipe, what are different types of ales that our listeners may have tasted before and not even known it
1: was an ale? Well, that's that's a good question. Do
0: you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, there's the most infamous one that I don't enjoy. <laughs> What is that, Josh? An IPA is it stands for. You remember, Dad? Indian Pale Ale. An India Pale Ale. So IPAs are a type of ale. Um, Another type of ale, surprisingly or not, is a stout. A stout is an ale. Correct. And then we have pale ales, like we talked about. You have. ESBs, which are English Standard Bitters. And how about a Scottish Wee Heavy? Mm -hmm. Scotch. Yeah, Scotch, Scotch Ales. Scotch Wee Heavy Ales. And they're all different. They all have different characteristics. So, I mean, even within the pale ale, there's kind of American pale ales, which tend to be a little bit hoppier. You have English pale ales, which tend to be a little bit more malty. So there's, there's a whole world of beer that's out there just based on that's
1: all top fermented ales. That's right. And how about a Grosch? A Grosch? I don't remember a Grosch. Typically, it comes in the green bottle with a little snap lid. Oh, yeah. The Grosch. Grosch, That's where the name comes from. Grosch Top Bottles. Yeah. And uh, it's from the Rhine Valley. And then, of course, there's... The Wait, it's from the Rhine Valley? Yeah. So all you, if there
0: are any Riesling fanatics out there, that should have rung a bell. So Riesling is made in the in the Rhine Valley. So it's kind of a beer from a wine region.
1: And, of course, there's the wheat and, and rye beers. So that's another of the uh, malt that you can use. You, I mentioned the wheat, but you can also use rye. So there's um, you know a lot of the a lot of the German beers, you know a German Pils is I believe it's an ale as well, and it's it's very light. Uh, yeah, you have Weiss beers,
0: Hefeweizens, right, the, Gozes, Marzen. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of different ales out there. Ales, They're just out there, you know, and and. You know, start trying some of them. Well, yeah, and this one's a good one to start. So, kind of, pay, I think you know, it was a good choice pale ale. I mean, they're delicious, first of all, but they're also kind of like you, like you said, middle of the road. They're easy drinking beers. They're the English styles and some American styles aren't really that hoppy, um, and they go well with food and snacks and and everything else.
1: You tried the smoked cheddar with the, with it. I have. It kind really of. Mm-hmm. What do you taste? Well, I the mixture of the smokiness of the cheese and the little <clears throat> bit of smokiness this this beer has. What it did for me is it drew out. I think there's a little bit of nutmeg taste in there. Yeah, it's, I think
0: it's, you know, it's going to bring out some of those baking spice tastes, tastes probably from the malt, because this is not a barrel-aged beer, which is something that has come leaps and bounds recently with the craft, well, within probably the last 10 years with the craft beer movement, is barrel-aged beers. So, they'll take a beer that's not secondary carbonated, right, because they don't want the barrel to blow up, and they will put it in a barrel, We have one of our favorites from a local brewery. Um, It's called Ninety Night. They actually take their Imperial Stout that they make, they put it into rye whiskey barrels, bourbon barrels, and red wine barrels. They do this, they do it, and then they let it sit for about six months. And then they take that and they blend them together to make a beer that they called nighty night and they release it every the week of Halloween. They release it and they do a big party about it. It's, it's a fantastic beer, which w- maybe as it gets a little colder, we can do a big stout or b- barrel aged episode, which would be fantastic. I have some 99 left Josh. I know it's so good. Don't, All right, well, don't look for it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I know where it is. Uh-oh. Don't tell him. All right, so let's uh, let's kind of switch over and talk about lagers, Unless there's anything else about ales,
1: Dad, you want to talk about? No, I just I keep tasting, and our snacks right here are just going so well. You know what? I better try this caramelized onion to see what that's like. Uh, I bet that'll bring out the sweetness of the of the malt. Well, the caramelized onion has that sweetness already. And like I said, it was it was caramelized with butter. Mm-hmm. I didn't say that before, but when I cooked the broths, I was using this beer. So, mm, it's a good, like you said, it brings out that sweetness, and it it had to match this beer. It's going to go really well with it. So that's another thing that our listeners need to realize is yes, you can cook with beer, and yes, uh, you can make. All kinds of things with your beer. In fact, I've made bread with the leftover used malt. Mm -hmm. The spent grains. The spent grains. That's right. You can make a really good bread with those spent grains. I mean, it's going to be real grainy bread. Right. And speaking
0: of the spent grains, a lot of breweries do a really good job of kind of reducing their own carbon footprint when it comes to those spent grains because they'll buy them from farmers. And they'll use them. And a lot of times, especially our local breweries are really good about, they'll give them back to farmers and the farmers will use them as feed because there's no alcohol in it. Everything's kind of been cooked out of it. Right. They'll use it for feed. I've seen some people use spent grains and make uh, dog treats out of them. So it's still a really good process and there. And then it reduces their waste. That's right. And. A lot of places just give it away. They don't even don't even try to make a profit on. They just give it away to help the local farmers.
1: Yeah, they made their money on it.
0: <clears throat> All right, so let's uh, let's move on to lagers. So, like we talked about earlier, lagers are a type of beer, which are colder. For, they're cold fermented, and it kind of originally started with brewers that would take their beer. And they would bottle it and they would actually put it into caves or underground where it would stay cold and it would continue to ferment while it's there. You know, lager is a German word that means
1: storeroom or warehouse. So it's like the beer that was from the warehouse. Okay, I don't have a basement here, but when I was homebrewing in Kansas, that was a good place to put my lagers down in that basement. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't didn't stay extremely cold, but it was colder than the rest of the house, Mm -hmm. just from the standpoint is in the basement. And oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you the ABV of this beer. You want to know, Josh? Yeah. And what does ABV stand for? Uh Alcohol by volume. So it's six point two eight is what it's published. So that's a little high compared to your normal beers, which may be. 5.7? 5.6, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, what's the ABV of this beer we're going to about to taste, Josh? Oh, I'll tell you in due course. All right. All right. So, a little bit more about lagers
0: really quickly. So, there's a bunch of different styles of lagers. Um, most uh, kind of, I would say, one of the most well recognized lagers in the world is Budweiser. Budweiser is an American lager. Um, Any of the light beers that you've seen, Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, they are all American light style lagers. Coors, once again, used to brag that they cold fermented their beer like it was something special to be had. It's not. It's really not. That it's just, not it's, <laughs> well, let's be real. It's just, a, it's a lager. It, they're saying, oh, look what we did. But it's really just, this is how the beer was made. It's nothing special. If they didn't do it that way, it wouldn't be a lager. Um, also, you may have had a Pilsner before. Pilsners are traditionally lagers. Um, one of my favorite styles of beer, uh, Oktoberfests are what are called Marzen beers. Most of the time they are lagered because they were made in March. They were put away until October. So that's kind of where the name comes from. Actually, September, September. That's right. In Germany's Oktoberfest starts in September. So the celebration of Oktoberfest begins in December and it is to celebrate October when most harvests begin. So they have a big party to celebrate the harvest the festival of, you know, to have that festival. Um, so yes, it is, in, it is celebrated in September, but what it celebrates is October in the coming harvest. Um, if you've ever had a Dos Equis, yeah. yeah, you've had a lager because Dos Equis are Vienna lagers, which is another, you know, European style lager that has been, widely used in Mexico, in in Mexican brewing. And then there's also other ones called like Dunkels and Schwartz beers box. If you've ever had Amber Bach, that's a Amber lager from Michelob. And then Hell's is the Hell's type beers are another one. So the one we're having today is from a local brewery in North Little Rock, Arkansas called Flyway Brewing. It is their flying duck Amber lager. They partnered with a duck call company uh, called Rich in Tone. Uh, to make this beer. It is a, like I said, it's an amber lager. It's alcohol by volume is 4.9, so it's a little bit lower on the scale, which sometimes happens when it comes to lagers. But you can find some up in the higher level. Tell them about the can. It's a really pretty can, John. Yeah, Flyway does really, really pretty stuff. So a little bit of back history on the brewery itself and the name. So Arkansas is situated in the migratory path of many birds and there it is right in the middle of the flyway of hundreds of species of duck if you are a duck hunter outside of the state of arkansas and you have not heard of stuckgard arkansas you need to look it up because you'll find some of the best duck hunting in the world in stuckart people will come from miles and miles around to come and duck hunt in arkansas And so on the can, what you see is you have a mallard duck flying over a rice field at sunset. And that's one of the things that what that makes Arkansas a great duck hunting area is there is a large part of the state which is set to rice farming. And in the winter months, the fields are flooded And it gives the ducks a place to land and it gives them a place to eat. So there's a there's a ton of duck hunting going on. But Stuckhart is kind of the main the main place. And like I said, they've partnered with a duck call company, Rich and Tone, out of that same area to make this beer. So it's an amber lager. It's kind of in the style of a Vienna lager. It is lighter in tone than the. Uh, pale ale that we had. It's kind of an orangish yellow. Um, you can definitely see through this beer. So it is clear and easy to see. The head on it has a little bit of kind of a yellowy tone to it. And it smells delicious. What are you getting out of it, Ed? I'm getting a lot of good flavors. Let me take another sip. So this one's a little bit more on the nose, it's a little bit more floral than the. Then the Diamond Bear Pale Ale. And I get a lot of like kind of orange peel and
1: maybe some like coriander smell off of it. Now I'm getting the same thing. Maybe maybe some jasmine. Yeah, it's a lot. So on the body on the mouth, it's a lot thinner. And that that head stays intact much better than the pale ale. Yeah, yeah. we we poured this about a half an hour ago, maybe right. almost forty
0: minutes ago, and there's still there's still some little bit remnants of the head around the edge of the glass, which you know kind of all lets me know that you know it's well made and well constructed and well um, well carbonated too. Good bubbles, man. This is a. I'm definitely getting that citrus. Yeah, you know the flavors. A lot of, a lot of citrus on the palate too. And so, like I said, this is kind of an ale, you know, an amber lager. And lagers can come in, you know, all shades and varieties from really, really pale lagers like most pilsners. Uh, pilsner Urquell out of Czech, out of Czech uh, Republic is a well-known pilsner from the world. And it's really, really light and bodied. And then you have Schwarzbiers like Zangdu from... Um, Brazil that is as bla- is blacker than some of the stouts that I've seen mm-hmm. so they it ranges all the way across the board and so that's kind of one of the delineations if you're curious of when it comes to Doseki's if you really like Doseki's you have Doseki's Amber and Doseki's Lager okay so the lager is going to be the lighter in color and a little bit probably lighter in flavor
1: style than the amber so i just tried the cheese brought with this brown mustard, it did not overpower the beer, but pretty close to the verge, you know, yeah. because of this sweetness and and the meatiness and the the smoke. Yeah. yeah, they just they 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 did not contrast each other to the point you're saying, Ooh, I don't want to ever do that again. Right. But it was a little a little different than. And I'm going to try this Edom cheese and I'm sure it's going to fit very well.
0: Yeah, I think the the mustard and the vinegarness, the vinegary bite Uh of the mustard is probably going to not work too well because this is, while it is full flavored, it's on the, I kind of call it a brighter side of the flavors. So Mm -hmm. it's really kind of high tones. Um, You'll hear me talk in colors and music tones a lot when I'm tasting because... It is a connection point for me to help me kind of explain what I'm tasting besides just actual flavors that are that I'm tasting. It helps me get a good description of the wine, beer, alcohol. But these to me are really bright, really high, you know, high citrus, high floral Um Higher spices like coriander. Like I keep going back to coriander, but I keep tasting that coriander in in the beer. I got a little of it, but not that much, right? But-, and, but it's 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 in there, and to me, it's one of the notes. But it's also while it's full flavor, it's it's really light and like the mouth feels really thin and watery, but not in a not bad watery. No. it's just nope. very different than the kind of
1: silkiness that was in the pale ale. So the Edom cheese really went very well with this beer. The sweetness of that cheese and the sweetness of the beer, they just matched each other, other up very well. Yeah. So
0: I love Flyway Brewing one of my favorites here in Little Rock. They do so many, so many great things owned by some really cool people as well. They work with the Audubon Society as well. Yeah, so all of their main beers are named after birds. So like we have the flying duck here, they have a blueberry wheat beer that they use local blueberries as much as they can. That is called the blue wing and blue wing is a variety of duck. They have the shadow hands, the shadow hand stout, which is actually an homage to you making a shadow bird. Mm -hmm. Um, And they have a lot of different ones. They have the Magdalene Triple, mm. uh, which is really really good. They have a Ruby Throated Raspberry Tart beer that they do. That's an homage to the Ruby Throated Hummingbirds, which are really prevalent here in Arkansas.
1: And don't they have a
0: a duck uh, taco? Oh, they do. Duck. They they do. They have uh, on uh, one of the things on their menu is duck comfy nachos. Um. Also, if you're a big um, washer of diners, drive-ins, and dives, Flyway has been Flyway was featured in an episode of Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives for their homemade pretzels, and they have different matching pretzels to go with their beer. Oh, okay. So it's a great little place down in North Little Rock. But anyway, we're kind of sidetracking off of <clears throat> off of the beer. So I, t- I tasted that cheddar brat with the beer itself, and it was really good. So I think it may have been some of that mustard. I think the mustard was what did it for me. To me, this, you know, this tastes, I call them a porch pounder, or, you know, this tastes good with air. Uh, it's, it's really easy to drink, you know, four, nine, if you're sitting outside and it's hot or you come in from mowing the yard and it's hot, it's something that's not going to be too heavy. If it goes down, if it goes down really quick, you're not going to be too mad that it's gone because you're going to enjoy the you you're, you're going to enjoy the ride down. It's right. I think it's really good. That ABV, you can
1: just go get another one and not have a problem. Exactly. You know, there's then, caramelized onions fit very well because mm-hmm. the sweetness of those caramelized onions and this beer. Yeah. But it went well with the pale ale, you know. We're not finding bad food yet. No, we haven't made, we haven't really done a bad pairing Should yet. Should we yet. Go, go get some anchovies or something well, try you know that? that? You would like that. Well, wow, that'd be too salty for either one of these i think so
0: all right so let's um i think we're doing doing pretty good you know um both of these beers are really great and they're standard styles that you can find if you can't find the ones that we had you know try some try some of your other ones from your local breweries i'm always going to I'm always going to pump your your local breweries, um, even though there are big names that do great beer. But especially in the time that we live in, with COVID and everything, I think you know, pumping as much local as you can is going to
1: be the best best thing to do. Just go wear your mask, <clears throat> go and get what you need. Wear your mask. Yeah. You know, if you're worried about it, Colonial will deliver. Uh, most liquor most liquor stores nowadays right. do, will
0: deliver to you or if you live in a state where you can buy beer, wine, or liquor out of your grocery store, there's plenty of places that'll ship. They'll bring your groceries to you or, you know, for big city people, even Amazon. So what's
1: your price point on these? Um, it comes in a four-pack?
0: It, a- it comes in a six-pack. Okay, It's one of their standard beers. It comes in a six-pack. Um, Around in Arkansas, kind of your standard... Uh the, your standard craft beer six pack is uh 9.99 so yeah. usually between 8 and 10. dollars uh, That's what the Pale Ale is. Yeah, that's what it ran. Most of our liquor stores will run our local beer unless it's a special beer, they'll run them for 8 8.99 or 9.99 a, a
1: six pack and that's what this one was. And it may be a little cheaper there at the brewery than at your liquor store. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. I know Diamond Bear is, you know, you can go to Diamond Bear and you can go on Sunday Mm -hmm. to the brewery and get your beer. That's a big deal here in Arkansas. Oh, it is. I don't know. Arkansas is a
0: interesting state when it comes to our liquor laws. And one of the strangest ones, in my opinion, is you cannot buy alcohol from a store between the hours of 12.01 12:01 a.m. Sunday and 8 a.m. Monday morning. Like you can't even go at 12, you can't even go 12:01 Monday morning and buy it, buy it. You have to wait until at least 8.00 a.m. On, mon- on Monday to to buy it, which is so strange to me. Um, but we also we also have dry counties here in Arkansas where you can't buy beer, yeah. wine or liquor. you can't buy any alcohol at all. You can't even open a store. So Restaurants can't even serve it. All right. So, all right. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap it up with a blind beer. What are you going to do to me, Josh? Oh, I'm going to be nice. I don't know. So, when it comes, I'm going to step away for a sec and pour the beer. And my dad's going to kind of talk through uh, where he got his resources to blind his beer. And uh, to help him do figure out what
1: um, what beer he's drinking. So there's several resources, but you know, one of the ones Josh told you he was a psalm, and there is a certification for beer lovers, as there is for the wine lovers as psalms. It's called Cicerone, and I am not a Cicerone, but I've contemplated. You know, taking the tests and all and an, an outline of that information shows you a long list of different beers and some attributes of the beers. So I'm going to be using that today. Now, there's other things online that you can find. You know, you, you know, I found a, a YouTube video of a guy that's a professional. Uh, judge that's another Avenue you know the judges have to learn how to taste the beer spit it out just like the the wine guys do because you know when Josh went to uh, France and and did a lot of tastings um, you know they're tasting 80 90, 100. what was it Josh hundred wines a day, you can't drink that many. So you have to get to a point where you're just tasting and spitting it out. So I'm going to do some of the things that Josh did. Uh, one of the, the first thing he's he's brought the beer to me. Before you start, I want to say
0: I want to say one thing about this beer and kind of what I want you to try and get. So I, what I want you to try and do is I want you to try and tell me the style of beer as specific as you can. I also want you to try and tell me the ABV of the beer. Oh, so, and you can just say, you know, high, high, medium or low, high or high, normal and low. And if you want, you can try and guess where, what brewery this beer is from. Hmm. So I'll let you go ahead and, get started and I am trying it as well.
1: So I'm looking at the color. It's somewhat of a straw color. Um, It's a little, it's a little hazy, which is not bad. Um, I don't really see much color to it other than that straw color. First thing I did is give it a little sniff. And right now I'm, I've got my hand over the top of it, giving a little shake so real quick, Dad, why tell tell our listeners why you do that? The reason I do that is to get some opening up of those flavors. So I'm I'm getting a lot of uh, floral to it. Doesn't have you know? Beer doesn't really have legs like wine does, but it has what's similar because of the of the foam and all. And I'm about ready to get a little bitty taste for my tongue. Mmm. So. Tell me what you're tasting. Pretty sweet. Not. Not. Not as floral as I thought it was going to be. So it it doesn't have a taste of a lambic, which would be a sour. It doesn't have that. Leaning toward maybe a farmer's ale, Josh. I'm going to have to do a little... Well so talk about you. talk about what all you're
0: tasting. Talk about do you think this is a malt driven
1: or a hop driven beer? Well, I don't get a lot of I don't get a lot of bittering hops, I don't get a lot of aroma, so I would say it's more of a malt driven. And he's over there maybe laughing. nice sweetness to it. So as far as the alcohol, so if it was a real high alcohol, I would be getting a big dose of that in my in my nose, which I don't get. So I think it's probably in the medium range. It's not it's not real low, I don't think
0: yeah so it's definitely it's. De- <laughs> I, I agree with you that it's probably definitely more than the uh, lager that we had yeah but
1: it's not like a barrel aged beer high no 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 I don't think it's a Scottish wee heavy why well, not because those are heavy <laughs> <laughs> it's not an IPA that's for sure um there's enough hops there just to give it, you know, some good some good flavor. A little bit of aroma hops. I don't really get the bittering hops.
0: So we're tasting out of different glasses. Can I smell can I smell it out of your glass? Yep. So the
1: the glass will definitely change how the smell is presented. And one thing while he's doing that, I wanna <clears throat> I wanna comment. So all the glasses that we've had here or the tulip bulb type glasses. So I know you at home probably have those those big old uh, pint-sized glasses. Mm-hmm. And, pint. and that's not really what you want for a tasting. I mean, you know, if you're out and about and that's, that's the way they serve your beer, you're not going to say, oh, for it in this, this tulip. But a lot of the big beers come in tulips automatically.
0: Does it smell does it smell different out of that? It, it does. Okay. To finish your tasting through that glass. Mm-hmm. So so I gave him so I have a wider tulip. I was tasting out of a wider tulip glass and he was tasting out of more narrow nose tulip glass. And <clears throat> I want to give him the best chance to success. <laughs> so I'm going to switch him glasses. So he, cause with a wider tulip, you're going to actually get more of what's going on in the beer itself and narrowing it. You're getting as much, it's kind of like why you see different wines poured in different glasses. Um, some of your bigger aromatic wines, you're going to see in big bowl glasses and other ones you're going to see in, in more straight sided or shorter glasses for a white wine. Mm. So tell me what you're smelling now. I'm getting a completely different. Just give me a second here. Yeah, so uh, this beer is,
1: It's it's a good one. So when I first saw it, I thought, well, maybe this is a farmer's ale. So, it tastes so different how that glass. Is. <laughs> well, you know that's to our listeners. That's that's very true. Very true. So, so what are you getting in this? What are you getting out of it now?
0: What are you smelling? What are you tasting? Talk
1: to us. So I'm getting more. I'm getting more floral with this glass. So. Not really a jasmine or or something like that, but it's it's a, maybe a little citrus. Kind of like a citrus, maybe a citrus blossom smell. Yeah.
0: So, I'm going back to that farmer's ale, Josh. Okay, do you, <clears throat> after tasting it and smelling it, again, giving it a good swish to kind of, you know, cover your whole palate with it. Are you tasting more, um, would you, would you... Continue and say that this is a grain grain driven beer or is it a hop driven beer you know I said I said grain driven a minute ago mm-hmm. are you going to stick now out of this new glass and everything are you going to stick with that or do you feel like changing it because okay. you can change it he's leading me on just giving you the option to change if you want
1: I think it. I, I'm starting to lean your
0: way, Josh. The I, hop, ha, I have driven. no way. You have no way. I have, I have no, no way. way. I'm just asking questions. <laughs> I do. Yeah. So you think it's more? It sounds like you're saying it, so, you're leaning more toward hop driven. So
1: is that so correct? I'm I'm thinking it's a wit beer. Okay. Mm-hmm. And. Like I said, the alcohol is probably about in the four to five range. It's so, not up there in the six. So you think it's a low, this is a low alcohol beer. Yes. Okay. That's where I am. So got a little, it has a little haze to it. So I think that's where I am. I think it's a wet beer from, uh, do you think it's from the U.S. or from somewhere else? No, I think it's from Belgium. Okay, so a Belgian wit, Belgium wit beer, and five, four to five percent lower percent alcohol. Yes, and uh, you know, in the vernacular of what it's called, over the table maybe it's a farmer's ale. So what I think it was is it was put up. In that March time frame, okay. Uh, it's an ale, but it was put up for the workers when it was time to harvest. Okay, so I think it's a wit beer, four to five percent. Um, what else I need to say, Josh? What? What? Oh, you're good. Do
0: All you right. want to? Do you want to take a guess at what particular beer it is? I mean, you don't have to. Okay. I said a wit beer what, what brand? brand what brand or what brewery you don't have to I'm just saying uh, you sound uh, like you sound so- like you've got a you're you're heading down a path toward a particular beer yeah oh it's called Tank 7 the brewery is a is a particular type of street yes
1: it's not a street it's not a road it's a, <laughs> it's <laughs> a, a boulevard. boulevard boulevard <laughs> brewery. boulevard brewery tank seven uh wit beer great so hey guys we'll find out if i was right wrong partially right partially wrong
0: but uh yeah come back so speaking of the next episode uh next episode is going to be all we're gonna it's going to be a liquor episode and uh, we're going to be talking about what's the deal with the E. So,
1: exactly.
0: So we're going to be talking about whiskey versus whiskey. So we're going to have two different types of whiskey, uh, one spelled with the E and one spelled without the E. And we'll talk about the differences. So, Dad, why don't you just just give a base? Just if people want to pick up a bottle, tell them what they what they want to pick up. The
1: Glenlivet, 15 year old. It's a French oak reserve. All right. So if you want
0: to go to your local liquor store and follow along with us, you can get the Glenlivet 15 uh, from their French Oak Reserve line. And then for the for the whiskey with the E, we're going to be doing the Michter's American Whiskey. So Michter's is the distillery here in America, and we're going to be doing their American Whiskey. Now, if you are wanting to follow along at home but don't feel like buying Uh, brand new bottles of stuff if you have a bourbon and you have a scotch um, you can taste along with us from what we're doing Um, if you go to the store and you're trying to buy michter's american whiskey and they're out ask for the michter's bourbon to go with it or the michter's rye whiskey either one of those are going to kind of keep you on the same playing field or any other good american whiskey
1: Right, same thing with the Scotch. You know, the the Glenlivet is a fifteen year old, so your price point is going to be up higher than a twelve year old, and this is single malt. Um, so if if you just peruse down the scotch line and you sign if you find one you like that's okay you know just pick pick a whiskey without a an e and a whiskey
0: with a an e and you'll be fine to trying to try and kind of keep with some of the tasting notes that you'll hear from us try and stick within the 13 13 to 15 year age range that's <laughs> yeah um so All right, so that's it. That's it. Well, um, I want to thank you guys for staying with us for another episode of Acquired Tastings. Follow us on Instagram at Acquired Tastings, Twitter at Acquired Tasting. Find us on Facebook and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite
1: podcast platforms. And I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And this is Acquired Tasting. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.